完璧などありえないこの世界は不完全だから美しいバカバカバカ何俺は海賊王になるなんて恋しさなの力を渡した時に言ったことを覚えているかいクレ違うそこじゃない変態遅い Hello and welcome to More Than Hentai, a podcast that is here to show you that anime is far more than just tentacles and catgirls. There's also countless stories of love, loss, laughs, hope, horror, and happiness that it is dying to be found. And I, Brendan White, the Salt and Pepper Senpai, I'm here to help you find them. More Than Hentai is proudly powered by Audio Technic and our friends over at Dash Water. So get your audio game and hydration game upgraded today. And joining me on this episode is a family man who is as authentic as they come and may or may not be Batman. Who are not putting out literal fires can be found creating art or helping people find themselves via his role as an identity coach. You can also find him creating genuine, engaging, and thought provoking discussion on his podcast, Authentic on Air, which you should check out the second you're done listening to this latest episode of More Than Hentai. From an anime standpoint, he's been quoted saying that anime is life and calls Attack on Titan, My Hero Academia, Black Clover, One Punch Man, Dragon Ball, Super, Aoashi, and God of High School as some of his personal favorites. You can check him out via his link tree, which is forward slash authentic on air. Bruce Alexander, welcome to the studio, my friend. How might you be doing? I'm doing great, Brendan. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for that great plug right off the bat. Well, I didn't really do much. I just sort of took a little bit of history and research about yourself. And you know, your, your story and your life speaks for itself. I just put it into some words and then spat it into a microphone. So I guess I'd say thank you for making it so easy for me to... Uh, frame the man the myth the legend that is Bruce Alexander so thank you so much for uh joining me here on more than hentai you're our first uh, international guest on the show so it's uh oh. it's great to have you here we did have some uh, some time zone uh oh, issues that uh c- created some scheduling conflicts that is 100% on me so I'm uh, again sorry about that but I appreciate you taking some time out of your uh Saturday afternoon to join me here at the studio but man let's uh Let's jump in. Let's talk about yeah who you are, what you do, because you're a very multifaceted individual. You uh, have lived quite the life up until now, and you're doing a lot of very interesting things that I'm sure not only myself but our listeners would love to hear more about. So uh, the floor is yours, man. Give us give us the elevator pitch. Give us the Bruce Alexander story. Ooh. Yeah, the, the Bruce Alexander story in two minutes or less. Um, I did spend <laughs> almost ten years as a firefighter. Um, I left that job because I did not find myself very happy doing it. It was um. It was not meant for me. I, I started doing the fire department because, for one, it did provide a career that does eventually pay pretty well and you know provided a life for me to be able to take care of my family, which is something that is me. But um, my father and my, uh, my cousin were both firefighters, and they told me that this is the job you've got to do. It's great. It was not great for me. I, I hated it, mostly because I didn't fit in there. And that, that struggle to find a place to fit in, to, you know, try to make myself be one of those people kind of led me on my journey to finding out who I really am and who I really want to be. And that led me into my, my authentic philosophy in which I, I try to really show up as myself in every situation without letting things change me. Now, does that mean that, I, that there aren't different levels of me? No, of course there are. Of course, you know, there's going to be a situation where I give every single part of myself to it. And then some things I'm going to, I'm going to hold back um, because not everybody deserves all of me. Um, that's, that's something that it took me a while to figure out. And as I did my research, started to do a lot of self-work, 
became kind of really almost obsessed with the idea of being authentic, I, I found that I was kind of stepping into a purpose I didn't realize I had. I felt like all these experiences I've been through where I'd failed horribly because I'd showed up as somebody I wasn't, it could be, a, you know, serve as a lesson to other people to help them avoid those pitfalls. And so now I'm an authenticity and identity coach where I try to help people leapfrog all the bullshit that I went through of, you know, living a fake life, pretending to be content, doing all these different things, which belied who I really was and really robbed me of my power as an, as a unique individual. And now I help people claim that and, you know, really avoid the years and years of depression that I lived through trying to be somebody different. I, I love that, man. And I think, um, like that, that's some very powerful stuff that a lot of people I feel would be resonating with immediately. Like we're, we're so, uh, indoctrinated at such an early age these days through media and through family and just general social status and situations where we're growing up expecting to do certain things by a certain time point. You know, you get married, you have kids, you want the white picket fence, you go into this form of employment because your family did or whatever it might be. And you just feel that, your life is on this set path or you're on rails, but it, it's not the case at all. Like you got freedom of choice and life is short and unpredictable and you need to do whatever it is to, to make yourself happy and feel fulfilled. So I think being comfortable in your own skin is something that everybody struggles with like nerves and the, the need to wear a mask or play a certain role in a situation where you're in a work meeting, you're at a social event, whatever it might be that there's so many things where we feel we need to need to adjust and change to. But I, I like that you're, you're out there empowering people to, to be their authentic self, because that's something that a lot of people, you know, not being like, not saying it in a mean way, but there is a lot of lacking of authenticity in a lot of situations you have. There's a lot of surface level stuff that, doesn't really have much substance when you have these interactions and discussions with people They go, man, like you're really just checking a box here, aren't you? Whether it be a, mm -hmm. in a work meeting or you, you're going to a, a birthday party or something and it, it never gets beyond the, the top level. You don't really get into the nice gooey, intimate, emotional discussion and, and sort of thought process. It's just, Hey, I'm, I'm Brendan. Great to meet you. Even though you in the back of your mind, you're like, man, this guy's a dickhead. Like it's not great <laughs> to meet you at all, but you play yeah, the exactly. role and and, and you, you need to do that in some situations. You just can't call everybody dickheads. But like uh, being being comfortable in your own own skin is, is something I feel that we have to work on every day. Like there, there's days where you probably feel like you're bigger than King Kong. And then there's other times when you feel like you're the size of Mighty Mouse. And, and it varies minute to minute, day by day. But I guess the the, the lessons that you're, you're using to empower people to just feel comfortable and also feel comfortable in feeling not comfortable i'm, I'm assuming would mm -hmm. be a big thing too like you know feeling yeah. that feeling of discomfort is is a good thing in life because it uh, usually relates to then you, you're growing you're, you're changing you're adapting because you're in these unfamiliar situations that you, you don't really enjoy but you're going to learn and take a lot of good from well and i think that one of my guiding principles is self-awareness it's you know being able to to realize when you don't feel comfortable and figure out why you're uncomfortable and then lean into that thing because likely when it for me, I can I can speak for me on this situation. Whenever I feel uncomfortable in a situation, it's because I'm I'm wanting to hide something. I'm wanting I'm wanting to like, you know, pull back away and because I'm afraid somebody's gonna judge something about me or they're not gonna accept me, or you know, I'm gonna having this whole internal that's saying, 
you better hide. And now what I've started to do, what I, what I encourage other people to do is when you get that feeling to hide, tell the truth instead. Say, you know, like mm -hmm. if I'm talking about coming onto this podcast, you know, if I was nervous starting it early on, I would have said, man, I just want to let you know I'm really nervous. Like this is my first time being on a, a bigger podcast and I'm afraid I'm going to fuck this up. And, and, <laughs> and instead of like letting that whole thing run through my head the entire time we were having a conversation, you being like, this dude is totally checked out. Like he doesn't even want to be here whenever really I'm just so hyper paranoid I'm going to fuck it up. You're going to, you're going to say, oh. Yeah, I've had that feeling before. Like, I totally understand that. Dude, this is going to be totally okay. It's no different than anything you've ever done before. And you're like, I'm going to give you the information and the opportunity to meet me where I'm at. And most times, most good people are going to take the opportunity and, and help you along. To some degree, they're going to give you, they're going to give you some help and help you move forward in that situation. And you're going to find your comfort level and you're going to do the thing and it's going to be awesome. But you got to give them that opportunity by being authentic. Yeah, like you, you don't know what you don't know. And, and, and that's the thing, like this, this was our first sort of face to face interaction, I guess we could say, like we, we've chatted a little bit on, on through social media. And mm -hmm. yeah, you, you can lose or misinterpret context and, and motivation and, and sort of uh, that emotional feeling through text. So yeah, un unless you jump on and, and you are your open self, you're never going to get that true read. And, and, and I appreciate that because yeah, it's, I, I want to work with good people in all aspects of my life and have good conversation and getting down to that brass tack straight away where it's like, man, I'm, I'm not feeling good about this or I'm unsure about that. Like being open and vulnerable is, is such a, a good thing to have in your toolkit. Like just, you know, there, there's nothing wrong or it's, it's not weak to speak up and sort of say, hey, you know, I, I need some validation here. I'm feeling X, Y because of this. Because like you said, if, if for the most part, you're, you're having a discussion with a, with a good person, they're going to help elevate you up and also, you know, talk around that and work out a way to, to have you feeling comfortable, a little bit more secure in what you're doing. So, um, yeah, just got to, just got to be open. Like it's, there's nothing wrong with saying you don't know everything. Yeah. An important part to that though, is I, I make sure to coach people to be able to handle it whenever they don't though. Because sometimes mm -hmm. people are not going to help you along. They're not going to accept the thing you put out there, but that's okay because you no longer have to hold on to it anymore. You put it out there. It is, it is for the general consumption of the universe and whatever they put back out to you. If it's not something that is nurturing that authentic self, you don't have to take it. Like it doesn't, that mm -hmm. doesn't belong to you just because they put it out there and tried to put it on you. It doesn't belong to you. You don't have to take it. And that's something that especially here in America is very common is that people want to take on every, uh, every opinion that people have of them and make it, you know, as part of their skin. And it's not, it, it really, it's all a perception and that, that opinion can be just a, a passing thing that just comes and goes if you let it. I love that. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, don't, don't give unnecessary situations or unnecessary people power mm -hmm. is, is the main thing. Like yeah. you said, you've, you've thrown out your feelings out into the ether and, and yeah, you can't control how that's interpreted on the other side, but at least you've, you've released that out into the wilderness and then you can sort of move forward and, and do your thing. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be doing our thing here on this episode of More Than Hentai. And I'm very excited to be talking anime with you as well. But uh, I thought we could sort of narrow that sort of Bruce Alexander lens a little bit and maybe get your backstory on anime. How did you sort of find this fantastic uh, Japanese product that everyone seems to love and, and not always talk about? So, so give us the upbringing when did you first fall in love with the medium like i mentioned some of the some of the ip you like some some recent some a little bit more nostalgic 
So uh, yeah, tell tell us about your journey into anime. Yeah, sure. Like like I was telling you before we started recording, is that me and my brother used to watch Dragon Ball Z whenever it made its first like big popular run in America. And you know, at this time, I was like ten or eleven years old, and I didn't realize that's what anime was. Like those were just cartoons. I was watching mm-hmm. that. I was watching uh, Digimon. I was watching Yu Gi Oh, and all those things to me were just Saturday morning cartoons or Sunday morning cartoons. And so whenever I got a little older. And, you know, maybe early college, like late high school, people started talking about anime. And I was like, oh, that's that's for nerds. Right. And because I was this person who was trying so hard to be not a nerd that I like I I completely pushed away everything that fell into that that genre, even though turns out I was a nerd and I did love all those things. Um, Once I started to accept myself, I started to find that hey, it's okay to just like whatever you like. You you know, you don't have to fall into any, you know, specific genre just because you like something. And so as I was getting much, much older, I was, uh, it became like a real, like deep love and fascination whenever I was, it was probably about five, six years ago, I started watching One Punch Man while I was studying, like I was studying to promote in the fire department. And I just like, I got really hooked on this one anime and i was like this is anime i don't know why i I don't know what i thought anime was like i'd watched it you know my stepdad watched it whenever you know i was in high school and i'd seen a couple different instances of anime and i was like i didn't really i was like this is boring like i thought cowboy bebop was boring i thought samurai shampoo was boring and it turns out i i know i know i like i thought that i think my heart (laughs) I, I like I turn it all back around to the fact that I was trying so hard to be 10 foot tall and bulletproof that I didn't want to let anything affect me. Like I didn't want anybody to be able to tell me this thing that I would like because it's like, no, only I know what I like and because I like cool stuff. And like going back, like Cowboy Bebop is, you know, top 15 for me now. Shamrock, like Samurai Shampoo is like not at all boring. And I don't know why I thought that. It was like, you know, once again, it was just that disconnect between, you know, allowing yourself to really enjoy something and trying to like, you know, look like you enjoy cool things. And so once I, once I, I really got into One Punch Man, the, the kind of walls just tumbled down and I just started immersing myself. And, you know, after that it was my hero and Attack on Titan, which Attack on Titan, the first time I watched it, honestly kind of scared the shit out of me. Like I was like, I was like, this is so intense. Like the amount of emotional entanglement mixed with the, the graphics and then the super creepy, like, you know, giant human baby people, like was just, it was such an intense experience that I was like, I didn't know a show could do this. Like, and it wasn't my favorite thing always. Like I did like it, but it was like, that's a lot. I can only watch one or two of those episodes and I got to turn that off. Well, meanwhile, I'll watch like. 10 episodes a row of, you know, my hero academia, you know, that's, and so anyways, as I got through those, I just really started to enjoy it. And my son would always come sleep in my bedroom and, you know, pretend like he was asleep and would be watching my hero academia, like through his pillow (laughs) or whatever. And so then they started to get interested and I, you know, decided to find appropriate animes to watch with my family. And my hero was a little bit on the edge of it, but we ended up watching that together and, we watched a, you know, Dragon Ball Super together. And, you know, so I watch it with my kids and my family right now. My, me and my older two are watching Sword Art Online, which I, which I've seen before, but I was like, this is the next one I'm going to introduce you guys to. 
And, uh, I, you know, I just love anime so much and I love it as a family experience. And I also love it as that, like that soothing friend, whenever you've had a tough day, it's like, we just have being anime, just kick it. And, uh, you know, just kind of put an end to the night and put everything to bed. And that's always like, it's always there for you. That's a perfect way to describe anime. And, and I love that you mentioned not only the solo viewing experience, but also the family experience surrounding it as well. Like there is something for literally everybody. If you want something that's a little bit more safe and accessible that you can watch with your kids or your partner or your friends or your dog or your cat or whatever, there's something <laughs> available in in that uh, in that realm. But then if you want something that's a little bit more intense or intimate or freaky or unsettling like it is it is there like you can run from one end to the next in in the overall anime gamut and find whatever you're looking for whatever you're craving at that moment you could search it on crunchyroll funimation my anime list wherever you're, you're hunting for your for your anime or your anime info and it will be there and you can have a a good a time as as you want and that's the best thing about this genre like we, we talk a lot on this podcast about you know if you can if you can dream it it is there in anime or in manga form. And yeah, no matter what you're craving at any time of the day, you can consume it and have a good time. And yeah, you, you mentioned a couple of the pillars there. Like I, I can respect the, the Deku shirt you rock in the moment. I can only see the top <laughs> half of it, but I know that set of hair. It's very distinctive. It's fantastic. Oh, that's a great shirt. It says that wasn't very plus ultra. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And yeah, Deku's got the glass on. He's looking very badass. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, My Hero, like, it's great. Like, that was the the most recent episode we tackled on this podcast. And I went back and was doing a rewatch. And it actually surprised me a little bit that it does jump so early on in this show as far as family-friendly, accessible to kids, to then it's like, oh, there's there's some sort of, you know, sexual suggestiveness here and some references to suicide and death and things like mm -hmm. that. And you're like, whoa. I remember this like obviously jumping now into the sixth season it's a big tone tonal shift because the kids are growing up the world's getting darker and darker and more evil but it's a journey that um yeah you can take solo or with family and friends but just being mindful that uh yeah that uh that sort of sensitivity level can jump up pretty quickly going from season to season and it could be a little jarring for for some of the young kiddos out there that's for sure I definitely suggest pre-watching any anime before you watch it with your family, just because, you know, you can get on uh, here in America, there's common sense media. I don't know if you guys have it there, but they, you know, they'll give like parental warnings. And sometimes mm -hmm. though, like what you want for your family can be something completely different than the people who've reviewed this movie or this movie, this anime, this whatever. And I think it's really important to just like, to me, I don't like violence is not something I'm afraid of my kids, like, you know, taking on and like putting back out into this world because they're, they're not those kinds of kids. They're just, that's not who they are. But as you know, on the other hand, it's like, there are inappropriate situations that they're just not old enough to, to, you know, take in yet. So I want to, for me, I want to view that and make sure it's like, okay, is this mostly appropriate? Are these jokes going to either go over their head or are they appropriate enough to, you know, to handle? And that's just, that's something I encourage because I would hate for somebody to like have a bad taste in their mouth for anime because they just trusted some review and then their kids saw something that they did not want them to see. Yeah, that's it. And, and the storytelling, like there can be some subtle context, like I, I guess comparing the Eastern animation to say Western, like if we just go like the, the biggest of them all with like the Simpsons, you know, it's, it's a show that's, 
accessible to kids, but there is some tone or themes or context that can go over their heads, but you and I will detect those in jokes or those references. Yeah. So, so there is a, always a fine line that, that the, the Eastern uh, audience and animation style and anime treads, but sometimes it's as subtle as a sledgehammer at the same time. They are, <laughs> yeah. they don't usually hold back. So there is some things where it is very front and sending like, Whoa, this, this is a little jarring or this is a little yes. uncomfortable right now, yes. depending on who you're watching with. Absolutely. But it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the gore and the violence because uh, I guess, listeners, if this is your first time stopping on by more than a hentai, the, the context and, and the way we, we tackle this podcast is each, each episode we bring a new anime to the table that either the, the co-host and or myself are yet to watch. We do a deep dive on that first episode just to get a bit of an understanding of the show itself. Did we enjoy it? The pros, the cons, everything else in between. We do go full spoiler for that first episode, so nothing is off limits for episode one. If we have watched beyond episode one, we will not spoil any major plot points or any major twists and turns. We keep all that on lockdown, so we're not going to ruin the anime as a whole, but we're just sort of looking at that that pilot episode, you could say, or that first episode, and uh, you know, talking about uh, is it good, is it bad, is it somewhere in between, and sort of we make a decision on the, on the anime that we're going to be focused on typically based off a questionnaire that I've had Bruce sort of uh, fill out just to get a little bit of a feeling and understanding as far as what he enjoys with anime, if there's anything he's been looking for, see if there's some recommendations that he's sort of sought out that he hasn't yet consumed. Then we sort of land on that anime and deep dive from there. And it's, it's funny because, yeah, in, in, your, uh, in your questionnaire, there's no checkboxes tied to, you know, horror, gore and violence, and yet the anime in question today sort of falls in and around that subset. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good time. Yeah, I was a little worried going into it. Um, just because, like, I don't, I don't tend to go towards the the horror genre. I don't tend, like, to. In October, me and my wife like have a rule in October, which is where you know you guys have Halloween too. I'm pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. We do. So in the month of October is the only time we watch spooky movies. Like whenever we were young and you know first together, we used to watch like you know a Nightmare on Elm Street and Jason. And at some point, after having kids, like our our nerves just got shot and we just thought like <laughs> we just could not handle watching scary movies Kids at do all that anymore. <laughs> they, they do and so but in october we like the rule is on october we'll watch scary movies for that month and for some reason it's okay and like so i was like it's october and if it's scary then i'll be fine because like the, the nerves just kind of like fortify for this one month and luckily it didn't need it too much i i love that i love that you sort of uh have just sort of locked locked the spooky scary gory excuse me viewing habits into a into a uh, a month long period and i feel that that would make those things you watch or the content you consume probably hit and resonate even more like it would have more impact because mm-hmm. you, you're waiting 11 months of the year until you have spooky creepy scary season upon you and, and now it's here and all the stuff you'll be watching i reckon it's going to be scarier gorier more freaky and all of those other great adjectives to describe what's going on so i love that idea yeah and you know i I get to the point now to where i look forward to october because it's like okay there's all these movies i've been kind of putting on my list throughout the years like as soon as october comes around i'm gonna watch that because like i don't want to watch it in my you know everyday life because it's it's too it's it's too stressful but for some (laughs) reason as soon as this month hit, i was like let's do it yeah, October is just the month of uh, stress and fear. So I, yes. I know it's not anime centric, but have you? What have you got on your short list as far as your movies you've got to watch during during the month of October? So there, there are you know there are classics that we watch every year. We watch Halloween mm-hmm. every year because you know it's Halloween. Um, 
we usually try to watch like one or two different Stephen King movies, like sometimes something new, sometimes, you know, The Shining. We watched Doctor Sleep, but unfortunately that put me to sleep. And that like, <gasps> I know, and it wasn't because of the movie. Sometimes the more exciting a movie is, if I'm tired at all, the excitement actually puts me to sleep. Like I don't, <laughs> it is the weirdest thing. My wife's like, oh my God. And she looks at me and I'm just like, <sighs> and I don't understand why that happens. Like the the year before last, I slept through like all of October because every time we put on a scary movie, I'm like, yeah, I'm super excited. And I would just pass out a quarter of the way into it. And I love that. So the, the overstimulation just burns you out where you're just so hyped and so on edge and like, I'm crashing hard yeah, now. Sorry, I'm, like a, I'm like a toddler. Like I just, you know, I get all hyped up and I'm just like, ooh, time to go to bed. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. Well, hopefully you didn't fall asleep during the viewing of the the first episode. And our title in focus here on More Than Hentai is ZOM 100, Bucket List of the Dead. And it is a comedy horror manga series written by Haro Aso and illustrated by Kataro Takata. It has been serialized in Chokugan's monthly Sunday Gene X since October of 2018, with its chapters collected into 15 Tankabon volumes as of September of 2023. An anime television series adaptation produced by Bug Films premiered in July of 2023, with nine episodes currently available on both Crunchyroll and Netflix. And also a live-action film adaptation has also landed on Netflix as of August of 2023. Yeah, I didn't know that and I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if it's region capped on Netflix, but i got to go back and see because I'm hella curious about that. It's like a two and a bit hour movie. And if it nails the context and the theme of the manga and the anime, I'm in because I think it's going to be fun to watch. I'm kind of scared that like, I don't want them to ruin that because I really enjoyed the show. Like I think it was a, you know, it was a sleeper for sure. So I don't know. They've, they've, they've got some movies on there. They did a, <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, Alchem- or Full Blood, oh my God, Brotherhood. Full Metal Alchemist? Yes, Full Metal, Full Metal Alchemist. They did a movie of that that was live action, and I watched 10 minutes of that, and I was like, I can't. Like, this is this is not good. <laughs> yeah, some, some, of the, some of the anime that gets translated to live action should never happen. Like, some of it is done well, but it is more often than not done average or badly and so i'm hesitant with zom 100 I'll, I'll peek it and see if it's any good but right now the nine episodes that are out are chef's kiss mm-hmm. and zom 100 it currently holds a score of 8.08 on my anime list and that's based off eighty-three thousand different user reviews wow and the story of zom 100 is as follows after graduating from a top university, Akira Tendo has landed his dream job. On top of that, a beautiful and kind co-worker always brightens his day in the office. Life seems to be going very well for Akira until he slowly realizes that sleepless nights and brutal work are his new reality. Due to three years of mind-numbing labor in an exploitive company, Akira is unable to recognize the tired, unaccomplished person he has become. On track to losing all passion in life, like several of his overworked colleagues, Kira finds his saving grace in the most unexpected way possible. The breakout of a zombie apocalypse. With the free time he finally has, Akira decides to complete a bucket list of 100 things he wants to do before he eventually gets turned into a zombie. Although he is surrounded by the dead, Akira has never felt more alive. So, Bruce, we're going to be tackling the first episode, which is titled Akira of the Dead. Where do you want to start things off? We can go beat by beat from that really cool, cold open that sort of sets one tone and expectation then pivots or we can just jump into wherever you uh feel comfortable in in leading off this uh zom 100 based journey so it's where you want to start man so i'll, I'll kick it off at the very first frame in which it opens on that momentum mori on the uh on the brick wall like the the mm-hmm. spray painting on there 
Momentum Mori is something that I'm familiar with because like I'm a, a fan of the weekend. He has a an album called Momentum Mori, and I was like so I did some research into it before, but it's really interesting as them kind of giving a foreshadowing as to what was going to be happening in this show, because it means in Latin for remember that you have to die. Like, and so that can be taken one, you know, many different ways, but mainly in one Mm -hmm. of two ways, like it can be kind of nihilistic and just like, you know, we all die at some point. So why does it all matter? Or it can be like, you're going to die. So make the most of your life. And I think that we get to know Tendo in a way which he is the second. And it's, I, yeah, I think it really set it up beautifully, just right right out of the open. It, it really did. Like the open, it hooked me and engrossed me. I, I love that you, you explained the the background and momentum more because I had to Google as well. I'm like, I've seen that somewhere. And, and I didn't click until you just said the week. I'm like, hey, I was jamming and I saw that on his album cover. It makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. But like, um, I, I love that that subtle reference at the beginning where I'd say maybe 90% of the viewers, it would have just went over their head and they were just like, Whoa, there's, there's this, this guy getting chased and there's blood and death and viscera and, and people getting eaten everywhere. And, and it starts with these beautiful shots where this, yeah, this man is panicked and he's running through, throwing through the cityscape and, and we're transitioning from really close tight shots on his face and his eyes showing the duress and the strain to then sprawling back out to these big, like, uh, sort of floating, rolling city shots, and you can see the city's in disrepair, and there's explosions and fire and death and bad things happening all over the place. And I'm like, whoa, this is cool. This is, feels like it's going to be dark. Is this like the anime version of like The Walking Dead right. or something? And and I'm like, hmm, this is just got a pretty heavy sort of lead in. And then it transitions back, and and that's where we where we meet, um, yeah, Akira Tendo for the first time, and he's sitting in his living room watching a zombie movie zombified himself and he's eating noodles and it's like 4am and he's in this zombie like state uh, dreading that he has to go to work and and he's watching this zombie movie and I love the line where he's like you know compared to my life in the office yours sounds like heaven and that's in reference to the guys getting yeah. chased and is about to get devoured by zombies and I'm like damn okay this is fun I like this sort of uh, juxtaposition that we've got going on here where he's in a safe in air quotes, safe, you know, normal society, but he is a zombie to the man, to the machine, and he's trapped in in this sort of role that he can't escape from, and he's envious of this person that's about to die. And I'm like, oh, this is dark, but also yeah. like resonates probably with a lot of people stuck in the corporate machine. But what I what I really enjoyed is that they let that zombie scene go on just long enough for you to think, is this the show? Like, is, yeah. is the show going to be like this high intensity zombie, like, you know, chase the entire time? And then as soon as like, I'm just like, uh, just a little uncomfortable, like, man, I didn't realize it's going to be like this. And then it, it kicks out and you realize that you're looking, you're inside the movie and it pulls back out. And like you said, you know, he says that compared to this, you know, uh, your life, that sounds like heaven or whatever. And I thought that was, you know, it, it was really indicative of so many people who are kind of the ideal client for me, like that is exactly like the person that I'm looking to, looking to reach (laughs) in my business. So I was like, that's funny. Like Tendo is like, he's kind of my ideal client because he is doing this thing. He's, you know, he would rather be getting eaten by zombies than go back to work because he hates his job so much. And he also, they did a really, really great cut when they cut from a zombie like eating brains and slurping up a blonde woman's hair 
to Zom slurping up those noodles. I thought that was like such a genius editing trick because like I have a little bit of editing uh, in my, you know, in my skill set, And like, I was like, dude, that is, that was so, so interesting. Like, I love that. So many yeah, the, the direction, the direction frame by frame in, in this anime is really, really expertly done. The way they sort of transition from shots and yeah, jump from, from a film or a game they're watching or playing to, to back to, in air quotes, the real world. It's, it's really seamless and very clever. And yeah, Kazuki Kawagoe is the director behind this and he knows what's up. And, and it's just a, a visual feast uh, throughout the entirety of this first episode and, and the future episodes beyond that. But uh, yeah, it, um, it it felt like something that I could relate to. And, and like you said, like uh, Tendo is the perfect client for, for authentic identity management, that's for sure. So uh, who, who knows if there's other people that will watch this and resonate and, and they can reach out to you and say, hey, can, can you help me get back on track? Because uh, yeah, I'd prefer to, to be zombified than be working for the man at the moment, Bruce. Please help. Well, Brendan, you might be able to answer this for me. Like I, the illustration of this show is one of like, it's my favorite kind of anime illustration. And like, it looked really familiar to me. And like you read off the, uh, the illustrator is, has this illustrator done other animes? So as far as from, from the manga side um, with uh, Kataro Takata, who illustrated it, this is sort of his first big uh, manga. But regarding the animation style, like Bug Films, they're sort of a fairly newish studio. They've done two sort of co-production slash support roles prior to this in, in two of my favorite anime of the last couple of years. So, so they did some joint work on summertime rendering that came out last year, which is stunning. Uh, it's available here in Australia on Disney plus. And the other one that's on Netflix is this really cute, wholesome slice of life called Comey can't communicate. So they wow. did some, some co-production on that, but this is their first lead outing. So Zom 100 is their first go at the big leagues directly by themselves. And straight away, like when, like you said, when I was, watching this first episode it's some of the best animation i've seen in, in like all year at the very least like it's so distinctive the character models are great the way they use color which we'll talk about in more detail soon mm. is just so unique and the contrast between monotone and these pops of neon and vibrancies that they sort of constantly weave in it's just very clever and it's very smartly done and a lot of that is on the back of what um, Haro Aso and Kataro Takata did with the manga, but translating that to screen has been really, really expertly crafted. Yeah. It is gorgeous. And you don't often say gorgeous for a for an anime or a show where you see people getting eaten and ripped apart and, and blood and viscera flying everywhere, but it is it is stunning in every every frame. I would say that in most animes, just as a whole, like you don't, like gorgeous isn't a word I'd use unless it's like the movies. Like I feel like the movies, they they probably really put a lot of resources into creating those like um uh my hero two heroes like the the fight scene with uh deku and bakugo and uh nine I, I, mm -hmm. that like that that battle scene was gorgeous like it was just it was absolutely beautiful but you don't really see it like that in like the regular episodes like there's some pretty, pretty good looking stuff, but like, I thought that, so for this show, I thought they really, they really put it in, they put it in. Like it was so good. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan bug films. Like I didn't really know of them until Zom 100 came out. Like I, I knew of those two other anime they worked on, which are equally of stunning, 
but there was a little bit more direction from sort of the, the other studios involved mm-hmm. there as well. But yeah, what they've done here with ZOM 100, it feels like it's going to really put them on the map and, and elevate them because not only this anime is extremely popular this year, it's one of the biggest new anime of 2023, but yeah, it's reviewing well. It's a great watch and just the story is just fun. I love anytime in any form of medium when they can combine horror and comedy, like that sort of horror comedy combination is just something that always pleases me very much. And then if you can sort of layer in some dystopian or, or zombie-based vibes in there too and make it work, I'm like, hell yeah. So I was <laughs> I was in pretty early from that open especially. And then we do then get the the contextual flashback three years where we see young Akira Tendo very, very happy and feeling good and he's landed his job and, you know, the he can take on the world. Like you were saying earlier about 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Yeah. That was him in this moment. He struts into the office and he's feeling great and, and yeah, throwing all his good energy everywhere. And that's where he first uh, bumps into Siori, the the resident cutie that's that he immediately has a crush for in the office space. And then we get one of those cute anime tropey moments where it was just love at first sight and there's little uh, flower petals flying around them and all that kind of stuff. It was super cute. And, and I love those types of uh, heart stringy tropes that, that anime does pretty regularly there. And I'm like, okay, so there's a bit of a love interest going on in here. There's some zombie going on. There's some quirkiness. There's also some hyper violence. I'm like, this is it's treading a lot of lines. I'll say that, the, you know, that's another thing that anime does, especially for me, is like I don't always so much care for like the the kind of cheesy like romantic tropes of like the meat cute and you know all that. But now that I've kind of fallen in love with anime, I find myself watching entire shows based on you know like the the romantic <laughs> like entanglement. And I'm just like, who am I? <laughs> what has happened? But anime like it really it takes you to a place where you can just enjoy pretty much anything. And it just, it feels comfortable. Like, yeah. I love that about it. Yeah, and and I felt very comfortable. I was already rooting for Tendo. I'm like, yeah, you get the girl, you get the job. Onwards and upwards, young fella, you've got this. And yes. and then it, it, it's all very sunshine and rainbows. And he's meeting the team, and everyone's great. And they're like, yeah, we're going to take you out for celebratory drinks after your first day. And it's really good vibes, painting a great picture of this company that he's working for, and how well, uh, how great uh, ZLM is, the, the the marketing agency that he's that he's sort of taken a job with. But then uh, the, the drinks end and everyone that's at the party like, all right, time to get back to work. And so Tendo's like, what? It's like 10 p.m. What are you talking about? And so they end up going back to work, pulling an all-nighter, and then we get sort of Tendo doing narration over these scenes as it plays out. And he's like, and I finally got home two days later. So first day of work, does two days straight in the office, then goes back home uh, a broken shell of a man. I think it was another one of those expert like um... – like turn of turn of like momentum is like everybody, you know, they're getting hammered and having a great time. And they just pull those, those ID badges out. Like everybody pulls them out. They just like hit their chest and everybody's demeanor completely changes. And it's just like, who like a, a invasion of the body snatchers, all mm. those, everybody was having this great time and was really giving him something to be excited about. And as soon as those ID tags came out, everybody just like lost all fervor for life and was like time to clock back in. And it, it really just kind of took me back. I was like, wait, what? Like I thought, you know, I don't know what I, what I really thought, but I was, they'd convinced me that this was actually a pretty good place to work, but they're going back to work after having a welcome party. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. And, and that shot too, 
you mentioned regarding the ID tags coming out. It's framed really well because you've got Tendo in the background enjoying his beer, still having his last sips. And then it's framed where you could see the torso of all these employees and their ID badges all simultaneously fall down and hit on their chest. And you can see his just look of disbelief going, what the hell is happening? Like (laughs) this has been the best day of my life and now I'm going back to work half buzzed. So there was this real sense of confusion and disassociation from him as far as working out what is happening, where he is all of a sudden, is this real life? And and yeah, so so we get that situation, two days of solid work, finally gets home and we're, we're getting the, the sort of conflicting narration going on from Tendo then where he's like, I hate my job, I want to get out of it. But then he he wakes up and, and pushes through the dread, gives himself another nice, very proactive pep talk. No, I'm going to do this. It's going to be fine. It's going to be great. And he's always like, dismissive of the atrocities for his companies like i could work for far worse places uh if i leave it's going to impact badly on the rest of the staff because i have to pick up the slack so he's always very empathetic and concerned about everyone around himself and not so much himself he's constantly putting his wants and needs aside for the good of the company and the good of the people that he works with so uh, what, what i had it noted as is pluckiness like tendo's he's plucky he has the ability to like look at the situation that he's he's gotten himself into, which is a really shit one, like to be honest, and to like reset and completely have a brand new emotional attitude towards. And, you know, he really fully started to sell himself as this is better than I'm making it out to be. And I think I think that that is honestly a valuable skill if you actually remember what you're working towards. Because, you know, like I, I talk about this all the time because it's my job, is that people are willing to do whatever they can to survive working for somebody else. Like, but whenever you're working for yourself, people are so quick to give up and to, you know, and to like drop the the thing that you were striving for because I don't know, it feels it feels safer. You don't you don't have to risk anything whenever you're just like yeah, of course I'm, you know, sacrificing everything that I enjoy about my life, but I have safety to keep going back to work for this person that I hate. Why wouldn't you be willing to like do that for yourself? Like, so his pluckiness, if he were trying to build his own business or if he were trying to, to make it as a musician or whatever, him being able to reset like that and say, yeah, yesterday fucking sucked, but I'm going to get back into it today and I'm going to hit it with the same forever would be an absolute asset. So I I agree. And I think you nailed nailed something here regarding sole traders, people working, doing their own thing. Like, I guess there's there's so much more risk. There's also so much more reward should those uh, solo gestures and, and chance takings succeed. But knowing when you are working for the man in parentheses or, or the big corporate machine, you know that all that risk has already been played out and it's a stable foundation. The foundation could be made of lava and your legs could be melting and on fire, but at least you've got something to stand on. You know, it's like, you know what, I can go home and and sort of wash and soak my legs and and heal them and be back again the next day. So people are very, uh, very, very ignorant in that regards where it's, you know, it's someone else's risk and reward. I'm just here. I get my paycheck. It -hmm. could be worse. A lot of people are always in that mentality. Like it could be worse. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's that, it's that meme you see of the little dog sitting at the kitchen table and the fire is in, like engulfed the entire this, kitchen. This it's is like, fine. You know, it's fine. Yeah. This is fine. Yeah. So that's yeah. Tendo here. And pluckiness is the perfect word to, to describe him in this early state of the job at ZLM. So we get a little bit of a, 
sort of time jump where we transition from year one to year two and and outside of the, the positive narration and that that sort of positive energy that that Tendo is sort of conveying explaining the situation you're seeing the zombified staff and all their various quotes and and how their contrasts to, to that pluckiness you mentioned is there where they're, they're sitting around the boardroom and like, oh, you don't know hard work until you start pissing blood. And he's like, well, you pissing blood? Well, I got all these ulcers. Like it becomes yeah. this this pissing contest for lack there of a better term as far as like who's more damaged and who's more broken at this job. And you hear them talking about how much unpaid overtime have you done this week, Timmy? And he's like, I've done 60 hours. And then the other guy's like, well, I've done 200 hours of unpaid overtime this month. Get on my level. So there's this competition right of like this unhealthy spiral to the bottom in this uh, in ZLM that's just uh, you know b- breeding this horrible mindset and this horrible environment and it's it's contrasted to um, yeah Tendo's pluckiness and like you said his his positive energy but you can see it starting to eat away at him bite by bite like a like a zombie chewing on a brain. I don't want to gloss over his dickhead of a boss. Like his boss is like the worst kind of person in my opinion. He you know he like before we get into like the the badges of honor of like the 200 hours of overtime or whatever he's talking about like stop crying to me about everything like handle it yourself you made a decision without me how dare you like that like i'm adhd and so i feel like i've had that same experience over and over and over again of trying to understand what people want because they said a thing and then I did the thing and then they're mad at me for doing the thing. Like that was my whole like work experience on a loop. Mm-hmm. So that guy, like I, I immediately hated him so much. Yeah. He's a dick. So yeah, his, his name's Kosugi and he's the department chief that's uh, in, in charge of Akira and various other people on, on the show floor there at this media company. And yeah, the, the first interaction we get with him is yeah, where he's, he's got these conflicting issues where like you said make a decision how dare you make a decision without me like so you're damned if you do damned if you don't with this Mm -hmm. guy and he's berating staff yelling at them very violent people leaving leaving constantly from meetings with him crying and stuff like that he's 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 a piece of shit for yeah for for the best way to describe him so you're starting to see this business and, and this company is corrupt and disgusting and rotten from the core, like from, from the top down, it's, it's a bad place to be. And, and you see, you know, with Kosugi, the department chief, but then you also see uh, another fleeting interaction between Akira and, and Siari, the, the girl that he's crushing on. But then you see further disgusting things going on where they have a cute moment and then he, she gets summoned in by this dirty old creepy CEO and then he just has sex with her in his office, like in in front of everybody in a way, because, you know, you've got the, the smoked window so you can see the silhouette, you can hear things. So you know just how fucked up this place is. Did did you watch it in both English and uh, Japanese with the subtitles? Yes, yeah. So, yeah, so I did too. I did too. And I I thought it was really interesting, the difference between the like the English version, which was like very flirtatious and was like very much that she was into it. And in the... Uh, in the subtitle version, it was very much like she was resisting and like both ways, it's a shitty place to work, but like, I don't know, like I kind of felt a way. I was like that. The initial intention was like, she was kind of resisting this thing, you know, maybe not full out resisting, but it definitely felt like a a me too situation where this was not appropriate behavior by the CEO who was definitely using the power dynamic to his advantage. Yeah. It, um, 
it took me by surprise because my first viewing of this was on the dub and then I rewatched it uh, yesterday in the sub and the dub version. And yeah, just seeing that different tonal change where, like you said, like e- either way you can see that uh, Miss Atori is not into this, but she's doing it for the sake of keeping her job and keep food on the table. But mm. yeah, seeing, seeing that context on, on the dub was really jarring for me because it changes the tone a lot. Like it's still an uncomfortable, disgusting situation, yeah. but it elevates it to an, an even worse abhorrent level on the subversion. Oh, hang on. I need to rewatch this because did I miss that on yeah. the dub? And then I watched it back and I'm like, no, nah, it's the same scene, but just worded completely differently. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like the, the, the sub and the dub were pretty, pretty similar for the rest of the episode, as far as I could tell, but that one part and that also kind of, I feel like would play a little bit into Tendo's like desire to save her is that, you know, she was resisting that thing. So, you know, I could, I could definitely see how she wouldn't be like damaged goods to him at that point, because he's, she's like, she's just doing what she has to do to survive this place versus in the dub version where she is like very much into the CEO and, and sounds like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Like, Oh, they're gonna know, and that's very different than like, oh no, sir, sir, no. And it was like, oh, so yeah, I just you know, I, I guess I, I kind of wish that we got more true to true to the story uh, dubs all the time. Like I know that's not always the case, but especially in that moment, because yeah, one one paints her. She, she's a damsel in distress in, in both situations. Yeah, but the dub version definitely is a lot more lighter and, and a lot of the, the context is glazed over in comparison mm. to the, the subtitle version where you go, man, this is messed up. Tendo, like you said, he, he wants to save her. He wants to, to get her out of this situation, but yet feels feels very powerless. And, and we sort of transition almost to, to current day again after this situation. You can see he's a very broken man by then. They've sort of painted the picture as far as ZLM. It's a piece of crap place to work. The people are horrible. The working conditions are even worse. And everyone is just uh, yeah, zombie shuffling their way home. And in this third year uh, sort of retransition back, we see Tendo, he's at the train station and he's sort of thinking internally about what's going on. He's like, oh, if this rail wasn't here, I could just end it all. Like I don't have to go back to work. He can just walk onto this onto these train tracks and get hit and, you know, all, all his problems will be over. So it starts to get really dark and dire in these moments. Then we're like, man, we're, we're going down here. Like we've been jumping from super funny, super whimsical, quirky, some really grounded, disgusting events. And now we're, now we're looking at our self-harm and suicide. Like the tone and shift was I thought it was. I thought it was really insane that he didn't say, I won't have to live anymore. He said, I won't have to go back to work. Like, like he was, he felt so trapped by his situation that he felt like his only way to escape going back to work was by not being alive anymore. Like that was like, that really said so much to me about how, and there there was a little commercial, I think before that, where it taught like, you know, in like little subtext, it was talking about how these exploitive corporations overwork their employees on purpose to keep them from being able to like make the small decision of leaving the job. And like, and Honestly, if you're working 60, 70 hours of unpaid overtime, you're not going to be functioning at a very high mental level. And you're going to feel like the only way out is to check out. And, I, you know, and I really I appreciate how uh, how honestly they, they painted that picture. Um, I don't think that it's that the case all the time, everywhere for everybody. But I know, especially in Japan, like it, there is such a, a, 
a strong emphasis on like being a producer like if you're not producing if you're not working like every second of your available life then you are wasting you're like fucking wasting space mm. and so like i really feel like that they really portrayed that very effectively because i i felt for that dude like i really did so did i and and you're not only in the the things that he's saying but also the way that they've changed the color palette in in this sort of transition to, to year three where we've gone from mm. nice vibrant normal realized color palette to a, a monotone muted palette everything's in black and white they've sort of started to grain up the the frames as well so it's it's not only giving me like a little subtle nod to to horror movies of yesteryear where it's black and white and grainy and and gritty but also with with that muted color palette it's just taking all the emotion all of the joy all of the fun out of it and you start to sort of connect what he's saying and, and what he's doing into the one in, and like you said you really start to feel for for his situation there and just i guess yeah. everyone's situation working at uh at zlm there and yeah we get that contrast he ends up getting back home he finds a bill in his in his mailbox realized that he hasn't paid for his his monthly bike parking permit so he goes down, disassociated with everything, just walking his way through through life, goes down to the landlord to, to pay the bill and, and renew his his bike lease, enters the office, and then uh, there's this sort of situation where he's not quite sure what's going on, trying to connect the dots because he opens the, the, the office manager's door and he finds out there's a zombie in there consuming the office manager. And you're like, hang on, what's going on? But you're starting to see the color palette change again because all the blood has been replaced by pops of color. So we've got this black and white monotoned world, but the, the blood is like vibrant blues and pinks and greens and yellows. And mm. it's just a visual feast. Like I saw that and I'm like, man, this is awesome. It's like this fever dream going on here. Yeah. And it kind of like desensitizes the violence at the same time by, by putting this like cute, fun, quirky color palette over the usual, like the, you know, the crimson red and everything that everyone always sees with blood, but it's all these bright fun colors. So it sort of makes it enjoyable in a way, which is kind of weird to say when you're talking about people getting eaten alive. Well, I think it really speaks to, to Tendo because, you know, he goes on to say like, you know, all of the, the color had been sucked out of my life and for the first time i'm seeing things in color again and so he really like i really feel like this this burst of adrenaline like this you know this kind of shock back into life kind of made him see things in a completely different way like the colors were so rich that it was beyond just regular color it was like technicolor what he was viewing life in and so like and i also love the way that they they really poured on the color and like the the not only was the the color so rich but like the detail was was really rich in the mm-hmm. in the illustration moving forward to where you really felt like the care that was put into the creation of this of this uh this animation just felt like you were like on a journey with this person as they were as they were going through this thing it didn't even I don't know. You didn't even feel bad about him running from these zombies because he seems so very excited about it. Yeah, he, he was very positive. And like you said, going on that journey, it happens very swiftly because obviously the, the zombie has realized that there's another human in there with some brains to consume. And so so this zombie starts chasing him back out of the office as he pops out onto the walkway. There's like a small horde of zombies. So then he's, he's getting chased by this horde of undead. But you can see 
the joy and enthusiasm, like you said, the life is sort of coming back into him. Like mm-hmm. the his heart's beating again. And that blood is is translating through until this this vibrant world that he's now realizing he's a part of. And and I love there's a moment where he's running around getting chased, and 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 Tendo has this moment of realization where he's like, you know what? If this keeps up, I'm going to be late for work. So he's still thinking about work at the same time, even though he's right. running for his literal life, getting chased by people that want to eat him, and he's he's getting chased up and down this apartment complex and there's a gorgeous scene where he gets onto the top of the of the apartment complex and he's running along the rooftop got a horde of zombies behind him we see a a passenger jet flying through the sky on fire about to crash and we can see in the background you know parts of downtown tokyo are on fire and exploding and all these contra like these big vibrant bright uh yellow hues and, and oranges and reds from the explosions and he's still just running with the biggest grin on his face you've ever seen. And it's it's a weird moment, but like it's also very wholesome because you can see he's like, he's back. You know, he's himself. He's feeling good again, even though the world around him is literally on fire. Yeah, that 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 moment that comes directly after that where he, you know, states that he's for the first time in his life free. That scene is like, it represents my literal favorite moments in anime like those moments where there's like this this emotional awakening and then it's it's just amplified times a thousand by really really great artistry in the in the creation of the of the animation and like you know the addition of like special effects elements and like the zoom in on his face and the teardrop that is so perfectly like drawn and like i mean it looks just absolutely amazing and so it's like you're you're experiencing this emotional thing with them. And then it's just really pulling you into the story further with that really great animation. And I think that is like such a cool thing that I, you know, it makes me cry when I like, I'm just like literally like, Oh, that's so beautiful. Like I, I love those moments. That's what I'm here for. It was stunning. Like he, he has that jumping there hero moment. And he's, yeah, he's like, I'm free. And then you see that whole, the, 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 the remaining monotone just fade out and it just becomes yeah vibrant, beautiful, color color explosions every which way and yeah it it is a great great moment and and bug films like you said you you described it perfectly where you you see this nice tight frame and that singular uh positive tear run down his cheek where he's like yeah Yeah. the shackles are broken later zlm you're dead to me i'm finally living my life after three years of being stuck in in your corporate machine but then he has this moment where um mr tani pops into his mind and he's like oh you know what? I'd, I'd rather be eaten by zombies than not confess my true feelings. And I thought that was mm. such a great, great line that, uh, you know, we can, we can relate to it in a way. Like I'm, I'm very much a hopeless romantic at heart and I'd prefer to, to put my heart on the line as opposed to, I guess, be eaten by the emotional zombies by not saying those things. So, so I heard that line and it really resonated with me and I'm just a sucker for romance in general. So, when, when um, yeah, Tendo sort of shouted that out, I'm like, all right, I'm in. We've got, we're back on the, on the love story track again. And so he jumps on his push bike and he's flying through downtown Japan, avoiding zombies. We get some really cool shots of like Mount Fuji and then like the neon blood color splash over the scene. We see like a couple of shots with like, uh, you know, yeah, CBD contrasted with zombies shuffling around we get a cool shot of like a heap of zombies in a bathhouse which for some reason i really loved it was a a really well drawn scene and just sort of seeing seeing zombies in loincloths just cracked me up for some reason i think i might have missed that one. Oh, really 
It's, yeah, it's, it's a good the, shot. It's only really thing. quick. It's a couple of seconds, but I'm like, damn, that's that's a really pretty shot. I'll have to check it back out. I've, I've already watched it like four times, but I'll, <laughs> I'll watch it again because I, you know, I really wanted to. I'm a little bit of a tryhard. Like I really wanted to make sure that like, we're talking about one episode. I wanted to make sure I had lots to offer to say about that. So I was like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch it subtitled. Like I want to make sure I don't miss anything. And then somehow I still miss something. Full spoilers, man. There there ain't no try hard vibes here. You, you're bringing it all to the table and I'm very <laughs> thankful for it. So uh, I appreciate your uh, thoroughness, I guess we could say. Yes, I, I'm definitely thorough if nothing else. And, um, you know, I also, having this situation, like I watch so much anime that I often just like, it's just like a background thing. Like, because mm-hmm. it is comforting. It is like something that, you know, makes me feel like nice while I'm doing something else. I don't really want to do that much. So I sometimes I don't really appreciate it for what it is. And so like having this one episode as like the the focus of the whole show really kind of zeroed me in on the fact that we're going to talk about this one episode. So appreciate it, like appreciate it for what it is like outside of the whole episode. And I really did. Like, I feel like I appreciated this one episode of anime more than anything I watched in a while because I was just like thinking about just the anime i wasn't doing anything else i was like i want to actually watch this and you know somehow i still miss something i still do have four kids and a wife and so occasionally i do get interrupted so i can imagine yeah four kids and a wife uh as well as everything else you got going on i'm i'm surprised you found time to watch this twice let alone four times so uh, hat tip to you good sir hat tip to you thank you but what we see yeah akira tendo he he makes his way to miss atori's apartment complex makes his way up to her front door and you can see that the nerves set in. He's, he's now realizing what's going on. He's about to confess his feelings to his beloved that he's been, uh, I guess, uh, crushing on for three years now, presses the doorbell, nothing, no response, knocks on the door, nothing, grabs the door handle and the door opens up. And that's always, it's such an ominous trope in any type of media where you go, oh, the door's unlocked, you're Mm -hmm. going in, no doubt there's bad things awaiting you on the other side of this door. And he opens the door and lo and behold, who do we see? The big, fat, nasty, sex-offending CEO from ZLM in her apartment complex. And I love that, like, he was already grotesque and repulsive and appalling. You can see he's just a very creepy, gross man. Yeah. But in this scene here where he's already been bitten, he starts to sort of evolve, devolve. I don't know what would be the right way to to say, but he, he grows and starts pulsing and his body becomes more contorted and just more unsettling and then he's vomiting everywhere, but the vomit color is like this this shade of blue, which is really cool. And it just really embodies how much of a disgusting human being this guy is, both in life and in death. And I was all for that moment. Yeah, and I, I liked the fact that they they didn't let him maintain any like level of like respect. Like he was, you know, he turned from like, you know, this powerful CEO into like a bloated, decrepit, like fumbling zombie who's like running in place on this like uh, this spilled water and is like slipping around like a three, like one of the three stooges. And I, I was like really appreciative of the fact that they like stripped him of that, like, you know, that, that honor, like he didn't, he didn't deserve that. But Tendo being Tendo never, never accepted that lack of respect he he kept complete decorum the entire time he addressed him and i like i thought that was like so indicative of this character that we're learning about is that he he doesn't care about what you're like what you've done what you're doing if you 
if you are in a position where you are given that honor, he's going to give it to you. He's going to, he's going to treat you as you deserve it. He's just, you know, one of those people who just really wants to be good. So he kind of follows the rules. And as much as that's, you know, it can be kind of sad at times. It also is really cool to see somebody who's like, as he's about to push the zombie out of the fucking window is still talking to him. Like he is like, has got the utmost respect for him and is, you know, I appreciate your time and the fostering that you gave me. Well, you know, I worked in your care and blah, blah. And he just pushes him out the window because he's got to kill him or else he's going to kill him. And yeah, I just, I love the whole character development of him. It's such a cool scene because yeah, uh, yeah, Tendo's sitting there and he's dropping this great speech and yeah, he's completely respectful towards the CEO, even though the CEO doesn't demand a, a penny worth of, of respect. He's a piece of crap. Yeah. But he gives him this great speech, like you said, he's thankful for, for taking a chance on him and he resigns so respectfully, like he's quitting his job. He's letting him know, today's my last day. Sorry, sir. I need to take control back of my life. And yeah, then he sort of does this big charge in hero moment. We get one of those really tight shots where he sort of uh, like bends down into the runner's sprinter stance and we get like the momentum burst flying out that we see. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're leaning down this sort of like these hero trope moments, but it adds some really cool context and just elevates that, yeah, he is having this first moment where he's ascending to, a, to, to heroism and he pushes the CEO out of the window and this scene as well, it is gorgeous because we get this transition where we're going from simplified black and white line work from like a manga panel and we see the CEO in his fat zombie-like state free-falling multiple stories down. And we get these random like glass panels of like people cheering on what's happening. Like we're sort of breaking breaking reality for a second there and then it transitions back into, into reality, I guess you so, could say. So what I just figured out is that this was a reference to Zom's, or not Zom's, Tendo's rugby days. He was a rugby oh, player. yeah, he was, and so, yeah. so that was a rugby tackle that he he rugby tackled the his boss out of the window. And so that was just like his college days where people were cheering him on. Those were all the people cheering the tackle. That Like, I just put that That's all together. That's so great. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't connect those dots, but that makes perfect sense now. Because yeah. I was just about to ask him, like, do you know who were in those those little glass cheer panels? But that makes mm. so much more sense now. It's gone back to him being a, a star on the rugby field and yep. yeah, having that having the crowd erupt due to this awesome tackle he's done. But yeah, you see the CEO and he free falls, and then when the, the zombie body hits the ground, it just erupts. Like the blood yeah. splatter from this one is everywhere, but everywhere. it's still beautiful because they're still using that crazy fever dreamy color palette anytime there's blood and guts on the screen, but it just works so well. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. It was like, I, I really appreciate how, how much work and detail they went into with, with each of these like big scenes. Like it never went un like unnoticed because it's like, you've got this big emotional scene and every time they delivered with this, you know, this beautifully like thought artwork. And I just love that. It's stunning. And and it's something like the word stunning you wouldn't use often with zombies and blood and guts, but just the way it's the way it's drawn and the way it's animated, like, oh my God, I love it. It's it's some of the prettiest stuff I've seen in a good long while. Yeah. And speaking of pretty, we then shift back to the apartment and he realized, you know, he's here to see Mr. Tori and profess his love. And so after the big CEO explosion, he notices Mr. Tori in her bedroom. But then the tears start flowing because he realizes she's already been turned. So the dirty, grimy CEO has 
has gone there, no doubt. He was already infected, bitten Mr. Tori. She is now zombified. But it's such a beautiful moment because, yeah, the tears are, tears are rolling, but he professes his love back to her and we get that, that um, flower petal moment like we do in their first interaction. Mm-hmm. So it sort of goes full circle where it's the first and last meeting they have together and he still sees her just as beautiful and just as perfect and, yeah, pours his heart out to her, but obviously she's undead, so yeah. she wants to eat him. So Yeah, this, it, was really, it was really heartbreaking for me because, like, I didn't expect him to get the girl. It's not a movie. Like, this was just the first episode of a season. I didn't expect him to get the girl in the first episode, but I did not expect her to be a zombie. Like I, I was, I, maybe I was being a little, uh, maybe I was being romantic in that moment thinking like, you know, maybe she'll just not be there and, you know, they'll get connected sometime later on. But to see her in that zombified state was just like, it was really heartbreaking. And I, and I really felt for Tendo and, you know, then to him once again, to be Tendo as he is, and still to, you know, make that confession to a zombie as she stands there is is really interesting and i and i really like appreciate his his character is just like i'm still gonna make the confession because it's something i want to do and i'm gonna do what i want to do now yeah it's, it's really nice and it, and i guess it's the pre-bucket list checklist before he starts his bucket list where he's like yeah i'm gonna follow through with this i'm gonna confess my feelings and i'm in complete agreement with you like i'm i'm optimistic in just about everything and like i touched on earlier I'm a bit of a hopeless romantic so i assumed that he would get the girl eventually and and him and Miss Atori would, would live a, a happy right. life as well as happy as you can in a in a zombie apocalypse. But I, I thought, yep, yeah, she'd either be hiding in the bathroom or she's escaped already and it would be the journey mm. of of Tendo trying to find her throughout this season. But no, they went, you know what? No, she's gone. She's dead already. She's zombified and she wants she, you know, she might have wanted his heart up until now, but now she wants his brains. And oh. so he confesses the love. And then he, like he says goodbye to her and, you know, he acknowledged that this is his first love, says, says, see you later and then escapes. And then it sort of flashes forward to a few hours in, ahead of time. And it's, it's now evening. Tendo is sort of drinking an energy drink out the front of a convenience store, just reflecting on what's happened, reflecting on his new life. And then we start to get the, the lead in, we get the, the outro track starting to play which which is also a banger it's funny because we've got happiness of the dead and then song of the dead are the 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 open and close tracks of of zom 100 but yeah we we start to hear those beats roll in and then tendo has this moment where he's like you know what life is short i don't know what's going to happen so i need to sort of yeah maximize my time left before i get bitten and we see him go back into the convenience store we see him grab a pen or or a marker grabs a notebook and gets to gets to work on what will be his uh, bucket list of, of 100 things to do. And then the credits roll of episode one, and you're like, damn, that was a hell of a ride, and I want more right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting that he was, he was less excited about just like having an endless world of possibilities than he was just about the fact that he didn't have to go to work. He's like, I don't have to go to work now, and since I don't have to go to work, what am I going to do? I guess since I don't have to go to work and I can do whatever I want, now I'm going to make a list of things that I can do instead of just being like, I can do whatever I want now. He's still like, he's still trying to release that mindset of being a court, like a, 
a zombie to the corporation. And, you know, I, I, I've watched, I've continued to watch on and like, I think that his growth is interesting. And I, I, I very much enjoy the show. Like, I'm, I'm really glad that you suggested it. Cause I don't know if I was like, it looked interesting. I liked the artwork. I was like, Oh, maybe, I don't know. But like, I'm really glad I, I watched it. I love that. So, so I guess we can sort of scratch that question off the list. You, you've watched beyond episode one. Are you up to date? Have you watched all nine episodes to now or are you a few episodes back? Um, I think I think I'm one episode back because I think on Crunchyroll the last dubbed episode is, uh, is yeah eight, yeah correct yeah the, it's it's a blessing and a curse the the sort of staggered rollout from from dub compared to sub so yeah it's it's so great I'm not going to spoil anything but all I'm just going to say is one I'm going to say shark because that was like <laughs> absurd it was so ridiculous absurd. it was it was perfectly ridiculous though it was like absolutely out of nowhere did not see it coming but i thought it was perfect like i will i would definitely yeah. agree with that yeah and, and just the the way they juggle tonal shift in this anime is very special like the light and the dark humor the really heartfelt moments the real heavy emotional moments it's it's just really expertly done and yeah bug films like i'm all about what they're doing like this is their first major solo endeavor and they've stuck the landing so far expertly so i can't wait to see how this this season ends up and and where the story goes i haven't read any of the manga but i really want to probably buy it and start diving in because when i get engrossed in a world or in a franchise my brain is like i need it all now (laughs) and as much as i'd love to just wait season by season for the anime to come out i'm like no i'm probably gonna buy the manga whether it be physical or digital and just consume it as quickly as possible because i need to know what happens to tendo i need to know what happens in this world because i love everything about it yeah and what like what you were saying about like them really kind of being in a roller coaster of emotions i think that they actually they allow you to appreciate the different the different kinds of emotions before they like they don't cheapen it by like making a funny moment whenever something dark has just happened. Like you, you get to sit in that for a second and feel sad that, you know, that his, uh, that his romantic interest got turned into a zombie. Like that doesn't just go make a funny moment. Like immediately after that, you get to feel that for a few moments and then, you know, then he gets to something else and then, you know, there's kind of a, a moment of happiness and you get to feel that happiness for a little while. And then, you know, it's never cheapened by like, let's make a humorous joke to like, so it's not too scary or it's not too dark or it, it really lets you, it, you really do get to enjoy a roller coaster of emotions through just the first episode that on its own. Yeah. It, it's one of the, one of the best first episodes of pilot episodes I've watched of a new anime in a good long while, because it delivers on everything. It gives you enough storytelling. It gives you enough context of the world. You, you get to understand these characters enough to care about them or, or feel something towards them, whether that be good, bad or otherwise. And it's just fun and unique and memorable in all the right ways. And like you said, I like that the, the pacing, it gives enough time to be respectful and let those big moments breathe. It's not just like big moment, big moment, big moment. Yeah. It's a big moment, a couple of seconds to let it hit and really impact you in a bigger way. And then they keep the story moving forward from there. Like it is very, very expertly directed. And yeah, I'm such a fan of, of this show and I cannot wait to yeah see where they take it from here because uh, yeah, we've got a few more episodes left in, in season one to go. It is getting that weekly drop. So it's not too late to jump on board listeners. If you are keen to check out something new, because it's one of the best new anime of 2023 in my humble opinion so far, but I guess Bruce, what, what was sort of your 
your favorite moment, favorite scene, or just what did you like most about uh, this first episode of, of Zom 100? Yeah, like, you know, not to not to be too cheesy. Um, I will be a little cheesy because I really feel like this person is living the journey that I want to take people on. Like he's, you know, going from being that zombie to really starting to step into his authentic life. And so like, I thought it was such a, such a, synchronous thing that you suggested this specific part or this specific anime for us to watch for your podcast because i was like this really feels like i was meant to see this because this guy is going through exactly the situation that i, I would i mean minus the zombies like i would definitely <laughs> i would definitely leave the zombie part out but the you know the idea of like leaving behind something that you know even though he didn't really choose to leave it behind, like the, the zombie apocalypse happened and he had to choose to start a new life. Like that's kind of how my situation was. Like I, I left the fire department because I was put in a situation where either I was going to have to completely sacrifice myself or I needed to leave. And that was like, so it was like, yes, it was my choice, but not really, but it was my choice to take that and choose to build a new life for myself on it. And I feel like that's what he did. And so like, I really love that about him, but specifically my favorite scene was that scene on top of the roof whenever he says, and for the first time in my life, I'm free. The Everything came together in that moment and the, the art and the storyline and everything was just so impactful. And I was just like, yes, this show is, it's, it's fire. I'm in for it. Hell yeah. I, I don't think uh, you could get better feedback than that listeners, because uh, if, if that doesn't, push you to check out Zom 100. I don't know what will because, yeah, it's such a great story. It's it's gorgeous. The soundtrack is great. The tone and the tonal shift is just, mm, it's just thumbs up, chef's kiss, all, all the positive uh, base references we can throw at it right now. It, it is well worth your time. And if you're still on the fence and you wanted a couple of other comps that uh, sort of, I guess, tonally or fit into this world as well, other ones, if you've checked out, you know, High School of the Dead, Undead Unlock, Bongo Stray Dogs, as far as three anime, if you've watched up until now and you enjoyed them, there's a fair chance you will enjoy Zom 100 because it is so good. But uh, we might jump into the last word, which is presented by our friends over at Japan Crate. Experience Japan through snacks and knickknacks via monthly package drops, courtesy of japancrate.com. And while you're there, be sure to use code 8BIT15 at checkout to save yourself 15% off your Japan crate, as well as free shipping to you, no matter where you are in the world. But Bruce, what is your last word on Zom 100 bucket list of the dead? Uh, watch it. Um, I think that you should. Like, if you're an <laughs> if you're an anime fan, like you should watch it. It's got. It's not. It's definitely not your typical zombie anime. Like, I would definitely say that. It's definitely got. A, especially having watched further down, it's got much more story, much more depth, much more emotion of all kinds. And you know, there's there's laughs, there's cries there's you know it's, it's got all the stuff like it really does it hits all my it hits all my points if i wanted to suggest an anime to somebody it, it would definitely be in my top five to suggest right now so yeah love it yeah i i also love it and and just sort of jumping on the back of what bruce just said yeah the the assortment of characters you meet along the way during this nine episode journey so far that there's a diverse cast They're they're all coming from different walks of life and you can you can relate and and feel for a lot of the characters you meet along the way there's a few that you despise and that's for story purposes anyway but like for the most part it is a great journey this uh nine episodes at time of recording has been very enjoyable and yeah it's one of been been one of the best viewing experiences i've had 
not just in the anime space, but just in the the media space as a whole in 2023. And yeah, it's, it's on Crunchyroll and it's also on Netflix, which is cool. So if you may be new to anime and you don't have a, a Crunchyroll or a Funimation or a High Dive subscription, don't worry because it's available right there on Netflix getting released simultaneously on both of those platforms. So you can check it out in between watching you or Love is Blind or whatever nonsense you're checking out. So uh, are you, yeah, are you in my watch list? list. <laughs> it's my it's wife mine too, it's so my wife say. don't don't judge me uh my my watch list uh like i wouldn't say embarrassing because like you said i i own i own my fandom and i own my hobbies and my interests and, and it's taken a long while to i guess accept that and um yeah anyone that's still having a little bit of trouble with that do yourselves a favor and head over to authenticidentitymanagement.com arrange a chat with bruce because he can help you on that journey and make you feel a little bit more comfortable in this uh, beautiful skin that you're living in right now. But man, thank you so much for stopping on by and riffing anime with me. It's been a fantastic chat and I've had a, had a good time. How are you doing? Yeah, man, I loved it. This was absolutely fantastic. I, I could talk anime all day long. I would prefer to and watch some of it also. So I know that we can't <laughs> talk forever, but I really, I had a great time and I appreciate you letting me be on your platform and talk a little bit about what I do and also like, Thank you for making it normal to talk about anime because it's it's not just something that you do alone in your basement anymore. It's a great. Yeah. There are a lot of people who like it and a lot more who will like it if they just open up to it. Exactly. We can do it alone in our basements, together in our basements. We can do it <laughs> on a podcast. We yeah. can do it at a park. We can do it everywhere. Like what, whatever you're into, don't let anybody yucky yums is the main thing, you know, like you, that's, that's, that's yes. what you love. That's a part of you and, and embrace that and share that beautiful content with the world. But speaking of beautiful content, Bruce, where can people find you and all the fantastic things you do? Uh, yeah. Firstly, I'd love for, you know, podcast listeners out there to check out my podcast. It's called authentic on air with Bruce Alexander, and it is on all major podcast platforms, at least over here, over there. That's the same Spotify Podbean. uh, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Samsung podcast, all that stuff. Um, so I'd love for you to check that out. Also, you can follow me on my social media platforms, which I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Authentic Identity Management. And my personal accounts on Instagram is Beef Wayne. And on Facebook is just Bruce Alexander. And I'm always looking to add new friends to um, really grow my world and also learn about other people who are either struggling with authenticity and would like to tell their story on my podcast or have, you know, started to live that authentic life and are proud of what they're doing and want to share their story. So either way, like I'm always looking to just meet new people and kind of grow my circle. Hell yeah. And, and listeners, all the direct links to, to find Bruce and all the fantastic things he does will be in the show notes. So just uh, click on through and, and send him a request because I'm sure he'd be happy to, uh, to chat about you with all things regarding identity management, authenticity management, and also anime. Maybe yes. maybe we can sort of compare fantastic anime shirts. We can get a thread going to see who's got the best shirt. You win today because that Deku shirt is fantastic. But uh, I'll be back bigger, better, badder, and stronger with my next shirt. So don't you worry. But yeah, listeners, that brings us to the end of another episode of More Than Hentai. Thank you so much for stopping on by. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe us as well as all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular. Those ratings and reviews mean the world to us. Whether your anime be sub, dubbed or still yet to come, enjoy yourself, stay hungry and much love to all the gorgeous waifus out there. Goodbye.